I have, a, I have a question for you students tonight, um, and, and really I'm, I'm wondering something. Uh, do you have friends who pretend to be friends? You know, when I was in high school, one of my least favorite things was uh, I would go to my friend's house. We had so much fun together. We'd play video games. We'd go out and shoot hoops, and I beat them when I wanted to. <laughs> and, and we were good friends. He'd come over to my house and go over to his house. But then when we got into larger groups, uh, bigger social circles, I realized, this guy's not really my friend. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't like me. I kind of, kind of fade into the background of his life. I, I was like that maybe with a lot of people. Maybe that's just my experience. I don't know. But I, I found that, hey, I can kind of tell that not all my friends are my friends. So some of my friends kind of, um, yeah, when I'm the only one around, I'll work. I'll, I'll, I, I could, I, I'll take you then. But, but when there's cooler people around, eh, that's when I don't really need you very much. And, I, and I'm also wondering this evening, uh, in, in kind of in a different sense, but in, in a similar sense, if, if Jesus, if, if you were with Jesus, if you lived during the same time as Jesus, uh, would you be someone that he would go to? Would you be his friend? Or, or would you fade into the background? Would you be um, not as important as others? That's what we, we see in our passage tonight. If you could open up your Bibles to Mark chapter 1, we're going to see a distinction between two people, two different kinds of people. Some, not from Jesus' doing, but from their own, are, are not the kind of people Jesus is after. Now, if you're new with us, uh, Mark's purpose, I just, I just told the students, uh, Mark, Mark writes about Jesus in compelling fashion to help you be a better, better disciple. He, he writes about Jesus in a compelling uh, fashion to help you grow as a disciple. You need to see Jesus, you need to enjoy Jesus, appreciate Jesus, worship Jesus, follow Jesus. You need to know all these things about Jesus. And then my passage tonight, I'm going to break down into two very simple points. I'm going to make it really simple. It's just two questions. Who is Jesus and who must you be to be his friend? Who is Jesus and who are Jesus's friends, you, you, you could say. Now, the second point I'm going to, I'm going to kind of hint at uh, throughout most of the message on the first point. So really, the second point's not going to take any time. So it's just one of these things that Steve tells me not to do, which is a one-point sermon with a big application point. So, just so you know, it's really simple. First off, who is Jesus? Uh, uh, three sub-points. There you go. Uh, <laughs> who is Jesus? First off, he is willing to touch sinners. Who is Jesus? He is willing to touch sinners. Let's just read a little bit of our passage here. Mark 1, verse 40 says this, And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling before him. Now, you've got to know what the context is here. We, we see that Jesus isn't really all that easy to access anymore. He's really popular, and so Jesus is going off into desolate places, and he can go into towns, but he, he, he kind of stays. He, he's been going from town to town, it says in verse 38, preaching, because that is why he came, and he went throughout all Galilee, 38 says, preaching in their synagogues, casting out demons. Jesus is on a mission. He's on a mission to preach the good news of the kingdom of 
of God. Not easy to catch. And we see this leper kind of catch up to Jesus. It almost seems like he's, he's, he's desperately trying to uh, get Jesus's attention in verse 40. And, and who, who is a leper? Maybe you guys know. It's kind of a general word for uh, skin disease. The Bible uses it to refer to all sorts of different things. Um, ancient scribes identified uh, 72 different kinds of skin diseases, so it could re- refer to many different things. Um, and not all kinds of leprosy, so to speak, under that general term, were the same. Uh, like, like, for instance, it could just refer to any kind of skin problem. Like, I had this problem every year, actually, annually. It's my annual rash that I get right here. Not totally sure what it is, and the good doctors at Kaiser Permanente can't figure it out either. So it's just going to keep coming back. Uh, but you know what? Even a small little rash like that is irritating. It, it throws off my entire day. Serena hates it when I have a rash because I'm mentally checked out. I'm constantly like, when is this going to go away? And all night long, I catch myself accidentally itching it. Just even the smallest rash, or if you've ever gotten a bee sting or multiple bee stings, you're, you're, when your skin is irritated, your life is difficult and frustrated. Even, even the smallest uh, skin disease can cause a problem. Now, leprosy, as you guys probably know, it, it has a very bad side too. Matter of fact, um, present um, doctors have diagnosed um, what is today referred to as leprosy called Hansen's disease. And Hansen's disease is, is really the, the scary thing that, that people were, were afraid of. If left untreated, it would slowly shut your body down. Um, your limbs would start to shrivel up into you like this. You started to lose feeling in your legs and in your hands. And, and then you started to get all of these injuries. Why? Because you lost feeling in your leg and in your hands. You'd run into things. Uh, you'd burn yourself. You'd get bit by your dog or a rat, or something like that. It, it was terrible. And sometimes you, would, you, would, you could roll your ankle, and then because you couldn't feel it, you'd just keep walking on a rolled ankle, and just everything's fine. And, and eventually, you probably would be so debilitated that you couldn't walk anymore. If this man's leprosy was that leprosy, which I kind of think it was because of how dramatic his healing is, um, he is in a terrible situation. He needs to hurry. He needs to get to Jesus fast. He doesn't have any time to mess around because... Uh, in a couple of days, he could be on a stretcher looking for Jesus. But this whole leprosy thing, in, in, in Jewish circles and, and pretty much every circle, it, it kind of embodies this, this outcast nature. Matter of fact, rabbis back there in the day used to refer to lepers as the living dead. There goes that living dead man. Josephus referred to someone who had leprosy as uh, no different of a life than, ha- than being a corpse. Matter of fact, in Leviticus 13, 45, um, this is what um, the, the commandment of God said about leprous persons. Uh, the leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes and shall let his hair, the hair of his head hang loose, and he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. It, it was a sign of of being under God's judgment, under God's curse. We, you, wanted to, you wanted to be clean if you were God's people. Therefore, you had to be outside the camp. Now, here we see in this, this, this man of leprosy, we see this, this desperation that is prompted and produced by faith. Desperation. Desperation of faith. He, he breaks the rules, right? He's not supposed to come up to Jesus. He's not supposed to come up to anybody. He's supposed to stand far away from people, yell unclean, unclean, unclean. But this man comes right up to Jesus, right in his face, 
and falls on his face begging for mercy. Maybe it's because time is running out, but he breaks all the rules. And then we see why he breaks all the rules. Look at what he believes in verse 40, verse second half of verse 40. Uh, we're really moving here. Um, if you will, he says, you can make me clean. Look, it's not a matter to him whether Jesus can make him clean. It's all about if Jesus desires to make him clean. And so this uh, leprous man says, I just need to get in your way. If you can see me, you can have compassion on me, and you can heal me. And we, we, we see here in verse 41, Moved with pity, Jesus stretched out his hand, touched him, and said to him, I will be clean. uses the same words that the leprous man just used. And immediately, verse 42, the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. Jesus was moved with compassion, moved with pity. Uh, It refers to a feeling of pain with a yearning to relieve your problem. And notice, when everybody else, when all the rabbis and everything are moving away from the leprous man, Jesus moves towards the leprous man, and he, of all things, touches the leprous man, which is very significant. Nobody had touched this man maybe for years. Matter of fact, Jews thought, hey, if I touch him, they knew this. It told them in the law, Leviticus eleven twenty four. if I touch you, I will become unclean. I can't be near you, but Jesus, who is perfectly holy, touches him. And then something curious happens. Verse 43, Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer for cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. Uh, But the leprous man was too excited. He got too distracted on the way. And verse 45 says he disobeyed. Uh, He went out and began to talk freely about it and spread the news so that Jesus could no longer walk openly or could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places and people were coming to him from every quarter. Now, why did Jesus command to silence? Well, I think there's there's some obvious reasons here. Uh, This uh, this uh, never mind Uh, this kind of publicity was bad. He, he, would, he would be restricted. He couldn't go where he wanted to go. He couldn't preach the kind of message he wanted to preach where he wanted to preach it. But also we see Jesus wants to obey God's law. Jesus is following God's law. But also, you could also say Jesus wanted this man to be declared clean. Why? So that he could enter into society again, so that he could go into the cities, he could go into the synagogues, he could worship God that way. And it also seems, because he he wants to make a proof to the priests, that he he did want to tell the priests about who he was. He did want the priests to know, I can heal leprosy. Who do you say that I am? I I think that's what Jesus wanted to do. And, And what's the result here? Actually, I don't know if you saw this, but you see a powerful picture of the gospel in this. Notice, Jesus, before this leprous man came up to him, was able to go from city to city to city to city and and live like a normal person. 
and the leprous man was out in the desolate places. But now that he has been healed, Jesus has taken his place, so to speak. Jesus is out in the desolate places, and the man can re-enter into society. We see there in exchange what the gospel talks about. Where, where it says in Mark chapter 10, verse 45, we see this theme continue again. Even the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many, we see here a picture of the gospel. So, uh, point number one, under who is Jesus? He is willing to touch sinners. Uh, point number two, under who is Jesus? He is able to forgive sinners. Next, we see Peter, uh, Jesus is probably at Peter's house in the beginning of chapter 2. is probably a very small house. It didn't have a courtyard of any kind because people were packed outside of it. And this man shows up. But let's read. Uh, verse Verse 1 of chapter 2, And when he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported that he was at home. And many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door, and not a big space. And he was preaching the word to them. And they came, bringing to him a paralytic, carried by four men. And when they could got not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. Literally, they unroofed the roof, by the way. Um, and when they had made an opening, literally dug it out, um, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now, once again, here we see this desperation of faith that's prompted by faith, that's pr pr uh, produced by faith, come through again, right? Um, these friends don't give up when they see the big crowd. They, 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 they find the roof, and then they dig up the roof. This was a substantial deconstruction activity. They had to make it through tar and, and big branches and things like that. They, they, they weren't discouraged by any inconvenience. They had to get their friend to see Jesus uh, time was maybe of the essence. They, they weren't waiting for a convenient time. They're like, we need to see Jesus now. This is uh, faith that produces desperation. I need to be with Jesus. I need to be before Jesus. But we also see here something else. We see a dissatisfaction of faith. His friends were, were tired of seeing his paralysis. They were tired of him being in the bed. He was tired of being in the bed. I need to go to Jesus. I am dissatisfied with my life as it is. That's what, two things we see in faith. But what we're, our eyes are drawn to is what we're not expecting there. And verse 5 says, Jesus, when he saw their faith, he said to the man, Sons, uh, Son, your sins are forgiven. And, and this, is, this is crazy. Jesus is, is using a, a kind of verb that shows here and nowness. Your sins are here and now forgiven. Right now, at this moment, your sins are forgiven. It's not in the future that they're going to be forgiven. They're right now, presently forgiven. And he even emphasizes that they're forgiven. He, he, he puts the verb in, in a certain space that says something like this, uh, are forgiven your sins. So he's, he's really stressing his sins. And, and we, we see Jesus kind of follows a pattern that the Bible follows. It, it, scripture often connects uh, sin and sickness. It's, it, they're, they're often connected together. Now you've got to be wise about, about how you understand these things. For instance, uh, Scripture kind of has these uh, two kind of conflicting ideas when it comes to sin and sickness. Uh, the first one is, don't be simple with sin. 
Don't be simple with sin. Um, there, there is a connection between sin and sickness. Often in the Bible you see, whoa, this, 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 this sickness was because of sin. But at the same time, you've got to also remember, Scripture also has a lot of verses that say, uh, don't be simple with sickness. Don't always assume that sickness is the result of sin. You've got to have wisdom. You've got to have understanding. And, and, and students, if you want, we don't have time right now, but in small group, you can talk about that more and break down the different passages for where you see those two different things. Once again, don't be simple with sin. Sin is serious. Sin can produce death. Sin can produce sickness. Sin has awful consequences. But also, don't be simple with sickness. Not all sickness is the result of sin. And this is very unexpected. As you can see, uh, there are some people in Jesus' audience that are very surprised by what Jesus just said. Verse 6, And some of the scribes were sitting there, questioning in their hearts, Why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Verse 8, And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, Why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Rise, take up your bed, and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, Rise, pick up your bed, and go home. Now, now we see here, Jesus is kind of using this man as kind of an object lesson, but at the same time, he's communicating something to this man. Uh, this man, I think, had a problem with sin. Is my sickness because of sin? Is it something I've done? Maybe, maybe not, I don't know. I feel guilty about sin. But Jesus is clarifying this to him that hey i have the authority to forgive sin and i say to you your sins are forgiven and proof of the fact is that i have authority to raise you up so so he has something to communicate to this paralytic he has something to communicate to the religious leaders he has something to communicate to you that jesus has authority power ability to forgive sins so, he is willing to touch sinners, uh, people that nobody else would touch. He is willing, he is able to forgive sinners, something that nobody else can do but God alone, right? And finally, we see something extraordinary. He desires to be with sinners. He is willing, he is able he desires to be with sinners. Yeah, just, just a big picture observation. Chapter 2, 1 through 12, catch this now, comes before chapter 2, verse 13. <laughs> big picture observation here. Remember that. Tuck that away. It's very important that chapter 2, 1 through 12 comes before Chapter 2, 13. He went out again beside the sea, and all the crowd was coming to him. And he was teaching them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi. 
the son of Alpheus, sitting at the tax booth. Now, there's, there's a few things you should note about Levi. Well, for one, both him and his father have Jewish names, so he was probably a Jew. For two, some, some of you may be wondering, he has the same father as James the Lesser in chapter 3, verse 18. Might not be the same guy. Might be. Uh, Elpheus was a pretty common name. You don't know. Uh, but he was of Jewish descent. That's striking. Both him and his father. Um, another thing that's striking is he is at a tax booth. This was a very lucrative position in a very lucrative place. Living in Galilee, especially on Capernaum. All the traffic from all the other countries north of Israel came right through here. And he could tax on anything. He could tax travelers, industry, land, produce, anything. Uh, and this was a position that was very uh, corrupt. I'll just, just add a couple add a couple thousand onto the bill. They won't know. Right? It was a, a position that was corrupt. It was also a position that was highly hated. He was collecting taxes under Herod to give to the Romans, uh, the enemies. So he is a disgraced Jew. He is probably hated. He is the worst of the worst of the worst. He is, tax collectors are always included in the tax collectors and the sinners. I just... Right? That's not a good kind of company you want to be in. The sinners, right? Uh, well, and, and we notice something else. I want to point one little thing out here. He does not have the desperation of faith that we're talking about, that need to get to Jesus. He, he doesn't have the desperation of faith. Notice, he is sitting. He's not walking. He's not standing. He's not trying to elbow his way towards Jesus. He's not digging up a roof. He's not being dragged in on a cot. He has no desperation to see Jesus. He is sitting there. He's probably saying in his head, I have a huge problem with sin. I am an outsider of an outsider of an outsider. And there's no hope for me. Do you feel like that sometimes? Have you ever felt like that? Do you feel like that right now? I am too far gone. There is no grace for me. I am sitting here. I am staying here. I'm not going to even try. Jesus, yeah, Jesus can love the paralytic. Jesus can love the leper, but he can't love me. He, he knows what I've done or he doesn't know what I've done. There is no hope for me. I'm going to stay here. But notice what Jesus says to this too-far-gone man. And he said to him, Follow me. And look what Levi does. He rose and followed him. This instantaneous response uh, suggests something about Levi, his heart, his faith. Uh, he had no desperation, sure, but I, I think Levi had this dissatisfaction, that dissatisfaction that comes from faith, knowing there's something better out there, believing that that is true, but, uh, but 
unable to get to it, being dissatisfied with his life. Unlike the other um, disciples, um, uh, when if, if Levi was to leave his table, he could never return. Like the, the disciples, they could leave their nets, but they could come back. But Levi, he couldn't leave and come back. But he does leave. Why does he leave? Because he has this dissatisfaction that is prompted by faith. He, you could say it like this, he wanted something that Jesus was offering, follow me, that his tax table couldn't offer. He was tired of his sin. He was tired of being an outcast. He was tired of being on the outside. And he wanted Jesus. Yes, up to this point, he didn't think he had a chance to follow Jesus. But when Jesus called him, his dissatisfaction with his life led to faith. But that's, that's his dissatisfaction of faith. But we see something else here that I just think is kind of curious. We see the disgrace of faith. The disgrace that comes from faith, you could say, the disgrace of faith. Notice that Jesus uses the same words to call Levi that he uses to call Simon, Andrew, James, John. Now, if, if you're Levi, you're pretty excited about this. He's treating me just like the other disciples. But if you're the other disciples, you're like, he's treating Levi just like the other disciples. <laughs> I don't want to be like him I don't want to be with sinners. It's curious to me that when you follow Jesus, that's what you're following. You are taking on disgrace. You are saying, hey, I am a sinner just like this other person. I am just like that person in the extent of my sin. That's how, that's how profound my condition is. Uh, I, I am a sinner like Levi. There's, there's this disgrace that comes from faith. There's this disgrace that comes when you are following Jesus. This, there's this repentance required. I have to confess my sin and follow Jesus. I have to say, I am a sinner, the greatest of sinners, as Paul would say, who was, in human eyes, the greatest of uh, saints. But he said, I am the greatest of sinners. That's what faith produces. And it gets worse, you see, because Levi throws this party at his house. Um, and as he reclined at table in his house, many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. Uh, for there were many who followed him, verse 16, and the scribes and the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, said to his disciples, because they were outside, of course, and so were the disciples a little bit uncertain, maybe, about whether they wanted to go inside yet or not. Uh, they said to his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners this is what we see happening throughout this entire passage if you've if you've noticed if jesus if, if you were to be in jesus's time would you be a friend of jesus well if you were a sinner if you're sick spiritually yes you can be a friend of jesus you can follow jesus As a matter of fact that leads to our our second point remember our really simple second point 
Um, who must you be to follow Jesus? Who must you be to be a friend of Jesus? Well, we've kind of already suggested this. You must have, if you are going to follow Jesus, if you're going to be a friend of Jesus, you must have a desperation of faith. You must have a desperation of faith. Remember the paralytic letting no ceiling get in the way of Jesus. Remember the tax collector letting no table get in the way of Jesus. Remember the uh, leper who, who let nothing get in the way of Jesus. No, nothing. Uh, you have to say, I, I don't deserve to get to Jesus but I need to get to Jesus. Like that leper. I, don't, I shouldn't be here, but I need to be here. I need to be before Jesus. If Jesus could just see me, he could have compassion on me, and he would be able to forgive me, heal me. I need to get to Jesus. I can't wait until tomorrow, next week, next year, next, next millennium. I've got to get to Jesus now. You've got to have a desperation that comes from Faith, or, or to put it in your world, as a Christian perhaps, or an unchristian unbeliever, you say this: If I can just get to Jesus with with my greatest sins, He will forgive and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. You've got to have a desperation with. Jesus, a desperation with your sin when you are following Jesus. If I can just bring my sin to Jesus, he will have compassion. He will not be afraid to touch me even though my sin is horrible, it's disgusting, and I am ashamed of it. If I can bring it to Jesus, he will forgive and cleanse. Like it says in 1 John 1, 9, you must have a desperation of faith. Um, you must also possess the dissatisfaction of faith. We kind of talked about this a little bit with Levi. Levi, he had this thing stirring in his heart. It was called dissatisfaction. This sin that I thought would satisfy me, this lucrative position, it's not cutting it. I am on the outside of God's grace and I want to be on the inside. I have a dissatisfaction of Faith. Are, are you wearied by the consequences of your stubbornness, your pride, your angry? Are you wearied by your lust, by your rebellion, by your need to always have it your way? Do you have a dissatisfaction that comes from faith, knowing something that's greater? And then lastly, we see you, you, must, bear, uh, you, you must bear the disgrace of faith. You, you are called... You are called to repentance as a sinner to follow Jesus. And that is a, a blood-bought call in itself. You don't deserve to even be called. You don't deserve to even go to God. If it wasn't for the blood of Jesus, you couldn't even pray. And, and you must own that. You must say, I, I have a disgrace, a disgraceful condition in my sin. And you must say, hey, I do not come to Jesus because I'm special, because, because my family is special, because I did something special. I come to Jesus because Jesus is special and he did away with all of my sin. Uh, that's, that's the kind of person you must be if you will.
follow Jesus. That's who Jesus is. Jesus is someone, remember, who is, who is, who is willing to touch sinners. Jesus is someone who is able, able to forgive sin. And, and Jesus is someone... Jesus is someone who desires to be with sinners, but not just any kind of sinners. Notice that. Repentant sinners. Sinners that follow Jesus, that leave their tables behind. That, that, is, that is who Jesus is, and that is who you must be. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for this evening. We thank you for this night of great joy, but also deep sobriety as we open up your word. We pray that our hearts would be humbled, but also we would be lifted to rejoice because of the truths that we hear in your word. I pray now for small group time that the kids would be honest and open, their hearts would be humbled and softened through your word, but then also willing to discuss with one another what they have learned. I pray now um, for uh, your mercy to be on this time in your name. Amen.